The first thing that Jesus says in John's Gospel is, what are you looking for? It's a question that he is addressing to us, but it's also a question that we can address to him. We can ask in our own lives, God, what are you looking for? In particular, what was it that God wanted most when he became flesh? It was an enormous act, and he paid a huge price for it, so he must have wanted something. Did he want us to do the right thing all of the time? Yes. Did he want us to be nice to our neighbor? I suspect. Did he want us to pray? Yes, he wanted that. But I think that probably what God wanted most when he became one of us was our friendship. God wants our friendship, and he reaches other people and draws them to him through our friendship. That's a bold claim, and so there should be some evidence for it if I'm going to make a claim like that. And that's exactly what we see in three figures in the scriptures today, in Eli, in John the Baptist, and in the apostle Andrew. Eli is a priest in the temple. He has this young guy named Samuel living with him. He's got a great name, and he's learning how to belong to the Lord and to pray. And he hasn't really experienced the Lord in a profound or in a mystical way at this point, and he's having his first experience of this. God is calling him at night, and he hears something. He gets up, and he goes to Eli twice. And Eli is discerning. He's not a perfect guy, but he can tell when the Lord is speaking. And so he doesn't just say to Samuel, be quiet, I need my beauty sleep. He says, if this happens again a third time, if God is really consistently present in this way, then say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And it happens again, and Samuel says that, and Samuel becomes the first prophet in the history of Israel, and delivers a scathing indictment of people who have put their secular values and their own power over their relationship with God. But that only happens because of Eli, who's there and able to bring Samuel closer to the Lord. Then there's John the Baptist. At this point in the gospel, at the very beginning of John's gospel, people think that John the Baptist is the Messiah. And if he wants to, he can claim he's the Messiah and everyone will believe him, as opposed to Jesus, who has to do all of this and no one at the end believes he's the Messiah. But John doesn't do that. He points out, behold, the Lamb of God. And immediately, two of his followers, who maybe think that John is the Messiah, leave and they go follow Jesus. That happens only because they have a friendship with John, and John is able, through that friendship, to point them to Jesus. And it says that these two new disciples of Jesus spend time with him, they remain with him, and then one of them, the apostle Andrew, goes to his brother Peter and says, we have found the Messiah. Who knows what? Peter's doing at that point, as John's gospel tells it. Maybe he's fishing, 
Maybe he's out running errands. Maybe he's scrolling through the gram looking for something worthwhile. But whatever's going on in his life, he allows God to interrupt it. Why does he allow God to interrupt it? Because he has a friendship. He has a relationship with Andrew, and he trusts Andrew. And he's willing to believe what Andrew tells him. We have found the Messiah. And so he follows Andrew and goes to Jesus. And what happens? We get our first pope, Peter. He's called Cephas, which means Peter. Cephas is a Greek word that means rock. Peter is a Greek word that means rock. So when it says his name is Cephas, which means Peter, what it really means is his name is Cephas, which means the rock. Like Dwayne. <laughs> but stronger. But that only happens because he has a relationship with Andrew, and Andrew is open in his relationship with Peter to offer this invitation and to tell him, we have found the Messiah. Jesus starts a friendship with Andrew, and Andrew has a friendship with Simon Peter, and that friendship draws Simon Peter to Jesus. And Simon Peter's ministry as the Pope continues to draw us to Jesus. This is what our mission is, to let our friendship and our relationships become an invitation to other people to follow the Lord. Sometimes I think people have this impression about what priests are for. Priests, you celebrate Mass on Sunday, you be generically or vaguely holy, we come here on Sunday, you stay here the rest of the week, we don't really know what you do, but we go home and then we'll be back next Sunday. I was talking to my friend, uh, one of my friends, the other day, last week, he was teasing me, and he said, how are you doing, Father? I know you only work one day a week. <laughs> he's not my friend anymore. <laughs> no, he's, he's a great guy. I'm learning a lot from him. Um, that's not it at all. The mission of a priest the reason that Father Patterson and I celebrate Mass, the reason we offer the Sacrament of Reconciliation during the week, or on Saturday afternoons and often hear confessions during the week, the reason we go to Samaritan Hospital and anoint people even when there's a pandemic, is because our mission is to give you the sacraments so that you can invite other people to Christ. My job is to be Eli so that you can be Samuel. The priest's job is to be John the Baptist so that you can be Andrew and bring Peter here. What would happen if everybody who's here once a month, or maybe every other month, invited one person you knew in your life to Mass? You do that once a month, everybody here, and only a quarter of the time somebody came with you. That would make a big difference. This would look different. And that's what our mission is. Because you know people I don't know. And I can't reach those people, but Jesus wants to reach those people. And he needs you. I know people you don't know. My job is to reach out to them. You know people I don't know. And your job is to reach out to them. And the only way that happens is through our embodied friendship. There's a reason this pandemic is taking a wild toll on people's mental lives. It's because we're embodied creatures. 
We're not meant to be on Zoom all of our lives. The Word became flesh, and he did not become Zoom. Have you ever left a Zoom call emotionally satisfied? You leave angry with the world, furious with existence. It's because we're not meant to be like that naturally. That's not what we're made for. This is part of what Paul is talking about when he says, the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. What are our bodies for? Are they for donuts? In part, perhaps. Are they for just our satisfaction or our pleasure or feeling good? No. Mainly, they're for the Lord. Because any friendship we have, any person who has met us or met Christ, has met us or met Christ because we're embodied. We meet other people. We talk to them. And even if all you have is FaceTime and Zoom, what is it? It's an image of your physical body and a reproduction of your physical voice. Because that's how God communicates. And God communicates that way so much that the primary way that we meet him in the sacraments is through his body and his blood. This is the way that God befriends us. And our mission, having received the Eucharist, is not just to come back the next week. It's to come back bringing other people with us, remaining with the Lord like Andrew did, and then going out and finding Peter and bringing him to the Lord. And are we crazy for doing that? Yes. Does it change people's lives? Yes. And we can say, because the Lord is really present here in the Mass, what Andrew said, and we can mean it. We have found the Messiah.